April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. According to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center 2018 study, nearly one in five women and one in 71 men in the U.S. have been raped at some time in their lives. More than half of female victims of rape reported being raped by an intimate partner and over 40% by an acquaintance. For male victims, more than half reported being raped. In this story, we want to acknowledge survivors of sexual assault and support their efforts to educate and support the community and other survivors. Chrissy, who will refer to only by her first name to protect her identity, spoke with KBCS's Kevin Henry about how a family intervention saved her life and helped her escape from an abusive relationship. She'll also talk about her long healing journey. A warning that the story involves disturbing content. Um, my story, I think that a lot of women can relate to in a way that I think it's it's kind of a hidden thing that a lot of us women go through. Um, started about four years ago, um, I met a guy, you know, we went on dates and everything was great. Honeymoon stage, you know, everything was perfect. And then slowly things kind of started happening and I was being very passive aggressive about it. And I, I was noticing when we were having sex that it wasn't quite what I envisioned people in love doing when they were having sex. And as the time went by, he started having me isolate from my family was noticing that, you know, he would put my family down so that I wouldn't talk to them about him. And then he had me quit my job and work for him. And while all this is happening, he is telling me pretty much that I owe him sex mm -hmm. because of everything that he has done and he is powerful. And if, as long as I go through with it, I'm going to go places because as of right then I wasn't anybody. Then I moved into one of his rentals. So in all in all, he had, he had a lot of power over me. He had the power of my living situation, the power of my income. And he used that against me sexually. You know, if I wanted to go out to eat, well, I had to pay for that meal. And to pay for that meal meant going up to his house and having sex with him, even though I didn't want to. We were in a relationship, a committed relationship, and it's taken me a long process to get to the point to go, my boyfriend raped me. It's hard to say that someone that you're in love with and your sexual partner, it's hard to say that that happened because in, in most people's eyes and in my eyes, the way it used to be is, well, he's my boyfriend. That's what I'm supposed to do. And he is doing these nice things for me. I, you know, I work for him and he gave me a place to live. Of, of course, I have to do this. And well, I had a question too. So you're telling me pretty much what he's really like. What did other people think of him? So if somebody met you and saw you out to dinner or something, or maybe you, you know, ran into some friends of yours or something, did they have like a completely different impression of him? Yes. Um, there was not one of my friends or family members that liked him. They could see through everything that I couldn't. I had this wall up and I do believe he built this wall on purpose so that I wouldn't see it or I would avoid it. 
but numerous times my sister would try to talk to me and ask me, please, Chrissy, leave. Uh, as my dad would put it, Chrissy, you got a bad picker. I do have a 17 year old daughter. Uh, she would beg me to leave him. But once again, he had so much control over me. I actually put him above and beyond my daughter. And that's, that's oh. very hard for me to say. So. And, and how long were you involved with this man? So I was involved with him for four years. Like I said, about the first year, everything was pretty good. And then that's when it started getting worse. Wow. And so you had told me um, in our earlier conversation that there was some kind of intervention. What was like the turning point, I guess, when things started to just change in, in your favor, basically, ultimately? So the turning point was because when I was with him, I started drinking heavily. You know, it was just an avoidance tactic and I didn't want to feel the pain anymore. So I, I would drink. We would get in arguments and he would tell me to just go take pills, just go kill yourself. And unfortunately, I would do that. And I would end up in the hospital. My daughter would be there sometimes and and witness this or have to take me to the emergency room. And my sister knew about it and my mom and my dad got word. My dad has been in recovery for many years. And so what they did was my daughter very bravely, I admire her strength. She called up her grandfather and said that she needed help and that I needed help. So I came home one night and my father was there. He lived in Costa Rica at the time. So, you know, to see him, it's kind of an eye-opening experience. I walked in and I knew right away something, I thought something was wrong, but it was an intervention. And they had asked me if I would please go to treatment and go to treatment in a different state. So that way the person could not come find me where I was. And so then you went to the treatment, was that the 12 step program or a different program? So the treatment was a 30 day rehab center. Okay. Yeah, for alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, but in that rehab center, that was probably, well, it saved my life. That 30 days saved my life and it uh, put me on the right direction to have some self-worth and love myself again. Mm -hmm. And be able to say that my boyfriend raped me. Initially, when they did the intervention and they said, we want you to go into the 30 day treatment program, were you resistant or did you say fine or did you argue with them or? Um, I was very resistant. I had had some beers in me. I dropped a few F-bombs. Um, I told them to get the F out of my house and that I wasn't going to go. And then my sister actually said, she said, if you don't go, your daughter said she is never coming home again. And I said, okay, I'll go. That finally hit home for yeah. you. What, what uh, advice would you give to, well, it doesn't have to be just young women, but I was just thinking tips advice on how not to wind up in an abusive relationship because you know what you were describing earlier about uh someone being charming and everything was great for a while and and those kinds of things and a lot of these people from what i've seen and heard can be quite charming a lot of times almost too good to be true and then gradually you kind of see uh oh i'm seeing some little red flags here but what kind of tips would you give to like, I don't know, young woman who says, hey, I'm starting to date, you know, how do I find myself a good man or a good spouse or, you know, a good partner? 
I think some of the biggest tips that you kind of, you know, said it, there's, there's red flags and there's always usually the honeymoon stage. Um, the red flags that I would say one to definitely look for is the, when you're having a conversation or you get into an argument, I think you need to be aware of how quickly that starts escalating, whether it's yelling, if there's, if someone's punching holes in walls, I believe that that will just start escalating and get much, much worse. Yeah, I'm, I, I've often thought to myself that to see somebody at their worst or see them under stress, see them angry, you get a truer picture because they aren't in control of that image that they're trying to project, you, you know, because yeah. the anger is starting to get to them. It's kind of like when you see people that, um, Oh, and you see it on social media sometimes, you know, because people think, oh, well, no, you know, I'm just typing away here. Nobody even knows who I am. And then you see somebody on social media. You say, I can't believe I, what I saw, saw Chrissy right the other day, you know, because it's kind of their true self coming out. But I see. So how so where are you at right now? Would you say in your your life? Because you've you've kind of had this arc of like you were kind of way down. And, and so now you're you're working. And I mean, how are you feeling about things now? I'm, I'm doing quite well. It's been a year since I left. And when I left, I ghosted him. I want everybody to know that that kind of means that you act like they never existed. And that would be my number one thing to get out to women. If you are in a relationship that you are being sexually or physically abused, I would say leave. If you, if you start thinking about it, you're not going to leave or they're going to talk you into staying and just ghost them and get out as quick as you can and get a support system. As for the question, I'm doing well. I've been in therapy for a year, different therapies, different 12 step programs. I'm, I've grown so much in the last year. It's amazing. I, I put off so much of my life in fear that I, it would make him unhappy. And I am now enrolled in college. I've always wanted to do that. And I finally did it. I finally had the courage to do it. I'm not scared anymore. I used to always stay home by myself. I can go out and talk with people. Mm -hmm. uh, I can do this interview. I think that without the therapy, I don't know that I would have been able to do it. They have taught me so many different tools to love me again and not be afraid of the world. And the 12-step programs I've done are just amazing because you hear stories and you go, that's me. Wait, that's me. Mm -hmm. And there are so many different 12 steps out there for everything. You name it, there's a 12-step program for it. And to be able to be around other people who have been what you've been through and talk to them about it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I was also thinking about what you said about having a plan too, or having a support system, because I think when I've heard stories from survivors, they've had, to, you know, they, they made that decision, they're going to get out. Uh, they don't confront the person. I'm sure you've heard stories of, you know, you wait till he goes to work, and then you get the moving van and you get your friends and you and you're, you know, you get packed up while, you know, while he's somewhere else. And then, but it's definitely, I think, important to have some kind of a plan because you don't want to wind up. Uh, I mean, there are shelters for some women and that's definitely a necessity. But if you can plan something out so that you know where you're going. Uh, and another thing like you brought up, it's really important to, to 
sever that contact, make sure that they don't know where you are, you know, because that's another issue with some survivors of domestic violence is that, you know, they leave, but then the person tracks them down. You know, they show up at their job, they show up at their friend's house, they start calling their relatives and things like that. So that's another thing to just take into consideration. Uh, I remember a story once when someone was trying to get away from an abusive partner. And so they, they called their parents to tell them that they were leaving, but they didn't tell the parents where they were going because they knew that that abusive person would call the parents and say, where is she? And they didn't want to put the parents in that position. So they said, I'm going to, I'm okay, but I'm not going to tell you. That way you can honestly say, I don't know where she is. Yes. So, so some of those things, uh, getting restraining orders, getting a lawyer, making sure you get all the money out of the bank first, because I've heard of people that were leaving and then you find out they cleaned the bank account out because you had a joint bank account. Yeah. And that's uh, not the money part, but that's exactly what I did. I mean, I left a year ago and to be honest, I, I left my entire world behind. I don't talk to my friends from there. I don't, you know, I moved two states away and yeah. he did get a hold of my parents and my child. You know, they're, they're my support system and they have my back and they were never going to say where I was. Yeah. So, but yeah, your uh, support system is huge. You, you, you need people on yeah. your side. Well, that's so important. Is there anything that you'd like to just, you know, you add here at the end of this interview for our radio audience? I think I want to go back to just the, the point of just because you're in a committed relationship with someone that you love does not mean that it gives them the right to have sex with you when you say no and you don't want to. And also therapy, a lot of people are against it. Please try it and don't give up. Keep going. It takes a long time. If you were in a relationship for four years, give it four years of recovery. You know, just give it time and it will get better. At age 38, Chrissy has started a new life. KBCS's Kevin Henry interviewed her earlier this month. If you have a loved one experiencing domestic abuse, you can visit the Washington State Coalition Against Domestic Violence website at wscadv.org resources and click on the printable Friends and Family Guide. If you think you're experiencing an abusive relationship, you can contact 1-800-799-7233 for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. 